welcome back to the Queer Connections podcast, where I, along with my amazing guests, give you tips, tools, and strategies that you can use right now to make your next dating experience your last. And today's episode is going to get a little spicy. I may actually have to call this like Queer Connections After Dark (laughs) after this, um, because I am going to be here with the queer educator and pleasure coach um, uh, herself, if you know her from Instagram or TikTok. Um, She is also the CEO of BDE Moves, Whitney Miller. Um, A little bit about Whitney. Whitney is trauma-informed, kink-informed, and utilizes her yoga philosophy background to facilitate healing that empowers her clients to own their pleasure. Her goal is to expand our knowledge and understanding of intimacy, sex, arousal, desire, and everything else in between, ultimately creating a judgment-free space for humans to feel safe being curious. So I'm so excited to have Whitney here with us. So let's jump right in. Whitney, Whitney, so happy to have you here. Um, uh, Thank you very much, first and foremost, just for coming on and being on the Queer Connections podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the number one episode (laughs) out of all of them um, because you're just so, so amazing um, and a blast. I love watching your videos on, on TikTok and on Instagram. So just and I may be just you know fangirling a little bit right <laughs> to just have you on the podcast but I appreciate you very much just for being on first and foremost thank you so much for inviting me on this is awesome yeah yeah well let's jump right in right because everybody here is like sex educator and pleasure coach and my number one question is like what's your journey towards that like what had you really get started um in this work oh my gosh I've kind of always done this work. Uh, I was the kid on the playground to tell you where babies come from. Um, <laughs> um, and like my teenage years, I started reading Dr. Ruth, her uh, mm-hmm. sex for dummies. I would carry it around. I used aluminum foil as the book cover. And so I grew up in the Bible Belt in East Tennessee. So the kids who couldn't get the information, you could come to me and I would tell you where the clitoris is and how it works and all that good stuff. <laughs> so... Oh, Love that. So like, were you just like, is that the environment like you just grew up in where like, you know, your your parents were they like, cool. Yeah, great. Like, go for it. Like, Mm -hmm. because that typically doesn't happen in families. No, it doesn't, especially where I'm from. Um, I'm from tiny town in East Tennessee. And my stepmom was always like, sex can wait, masturbate and explore your body. It's yours. And, yeah. you know, um, that was kind of her push forward. So they encouraged us to explore it. If they couldn't answer questions and they would point to resources that could and uh, didn't try to shelter us in that way. Uh, so I've just always like reached for that. I've been a very sex positive person. So it's very easy for me to talk about. So when TikTok came, I was like, I'm going to talk about it here. Um, very secretly though. Holy shit, the community violations. Yeah, I think you get, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, perfect. Got some technical difficulties. 
going to grab some water. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm going to do. Two mm-hmm. seconds. Can you hear me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. We're talking about sex. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can definitely. I think that's better. Okay. Yeah. No, totally okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, this is why I come in here because I wouldn't be able to to do anything about this. So, um, <laughs> okay, cool. So let's jump back in. So that that's really awesome that you grew up in that environment. Like I grew up in the Bible belt of East Texas and it was like abstinence and don't talk about sex and that can wait. And it's, it's bad and wrong. And I assume like most people, um, uh, have that, have that experience. So let me just say, first and foremost, so grateful for you and that you grew up in the environment where you were able to, you know, explore and ask questions and get information and, you know, we're, we're provided with resources. So, um, yes, you were made to do this work. Um, what are some of the, the issues or like a, a typical like pleasure coaching session, um, or sex education, like coaching session actually look like for you? Oh man. So, they range because pleasure is so different for everybody. Like I mm-hmm. talk to asexual people. I talk to high desire people. So it like runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that happens in sessions is the people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Me trying to like walk them slowly away from that era. And yeah, you know, teaching people that choosing yourself first is not selfish. It's self-preservation. Like you have to do it. Well, well, but so you're most people would have the idea that when you're talking about pleasure, you're automatically talking about the other person. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, we have it all wrong, everybody. We have it all wrong. It's not a transaction. It's not. <laughs> so are you having to really deal with people that are um, like don't actually know what with they themselves need and that's the thing that they're having to work through the most sometimes it's that and sometimes it's knowing what they need but not trusting themselves to choose it Mm. the world teaches you so much to fulfill the expectations of your parents or your caretaker or your spouse so you think that when you do those things that happiness is waiting on the other side so everybody feels the slots the way the world has told them to they're the white picket fence and the golden retriever and two cars in the driveway. And they're like, where is my happiness? Right. And I'm like, where was your authenticity? Oh, well, I was ignoring that because I need to keep this together. Yeah. Yeah. I As a um, people pleaser, former people pleaser, superhero myself, like. Me I, too. Me yes. too. Totally understand that. Like I, especially as I was like the middle child and um, I was the good kid. I was the one that I didn't want to add any stress onto my mom at all whatsoever. And so whatever she wanted or whatever anybody else wanted, I was the strong one. I was the one that had to like keep everybody together. And I could really see how that rolled over into my romantic relationships um, and how that rolls over like like in the bedroom. Like my wife is very much like sex positive, though. And so 
she has probably been the first person that I've been with that has actually asked me like what I wanted and how things felt and and all of that. And it was so weird for me. So mm-hmm. weird for me. And I'm like, oh, I don't need anything. I'm I'm fine. Oh, yeah. I'm completely okay. So that was a huge, huge adjustment for me. Yeah. That oh man. Absolutely. When you when you speak on that, like uh, to people talk about receiving that in a relationship finally, it's like you finally get everything you want, not sure how to handle it. You're like, oh shit. This is healthy. Oh, yeah. This feels weird. <laughs> yeah. Even moments of just like crying. I'm like, no one's ever asked me that. And she and then she's like, Oh, I didn't mean to upset you. And I'm like, I'm not upset. It's just that like I really didn't like no one's even asked me that question before. Like no one's checked in before. No one's been concerned about me. And I've just been concerned about everybody else. And so that was that was just like a huge thing for me. But enough about me, right? We're here to talk about everybody else. Um so I am a dating coach and I'm real big on on prevention. I do the date coaching part because I want us to develop the skills early on in the dating process to have like, um, you know, healthier relationships because most of the time people don't work on relationships until they're almost in the shitter and now you have to go to a therapist and a couples counselor. And so that's why I really wanted to tackle the dating portion. So I want to talk about how like arousal and desire and the spark and all of that, how we can really utilize that in the early parts of, of dating. So first and foremost, let's talk about the spark. Okay. Okay. Like, is that as big of an issue as like society makes it seem like I, you know, we're seeing things come out now, now that the spark is a myth. So what would you say from, from your perspective and from your expertise, like how should we handle the spark? Oh man, the spark is tricky because it really depends on, uh, like your childhood and your background and what's making that spark happen. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, is that spark familiarity from an old wound that you're trying to heal through this relationship? Because that's not how that process needs to go. Um, or is it just you're high on dopamine? You know, you have mm-hmm. a lot of common interests and that's pinging the little chemical reward sensor in your brain and you're high on each other, which is fine. That's a great part of the first part of a relationship. I love limerence. Yeah. That shit feels good as hell. Um, but <laughs> you got to watch it because dopamine feels good and it makes you want to be with that person every single day. Yeah. And you kind of got to pump the brakes on that a little bit so that you can see them through who they really are without like the dopamine goggles. Because that'll have you thinking that person's just perfect. Yeah. So would you say that most people when they're experiencing the spark, just because most people have have had a trauma, pain in our life experiences have probably not been the greatest, right? Would you say that most of the time the spark is from – um, what I call from a place of pain versus a place of power. Mm. A lot of the times it, it is, it's like, is that familiarity, you know, like what you're feeling that draw to somebody is something from your history. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how you and that other person carry out this relationship with that. Got you. And so does, so I know we, we talked about like dopamine. What, what's the difference between like 
arousal and desire. Because I know I talk to a lot of people when they're talking about the spark, they're like, they talk a lot about desire and Mm -hmm. just being pulled into the other person and the vibe. But we all have different like arousal points too. So how does, what's the difference between the two? Sure. Yeah. Oh, you got my nerd brain going. This is fun. I love it. So, I love it. <laughs> so desire is driven a lot by dopamine. Dopamine mm-hmm. does a lot of things. Um, some things are outside of my capacity of knowledge, but I try to keep up with the neuroscience. But dopamine is a part of the motivation system. You need certain levels of dopamine to have desire for sex, new activities, motivation to do anything. You have right. to have a certain level of dopamine. Um, so when you got a lot of it, when you're flooded with it, that's where that desire comes from. And desire is the want. It's like your mental want, like I want them, I want it. Now, where it gets a little tricky is arousal is your body's physiological response. So there's regular arousal, which is just like excitement in the body when you ride a roller coaster, when you see a scary movie. Yeah. And that's why people like to do these things on dates, because if you add sexual attraction with excitement in the body, then you get, yep. you know, a nice little thing going. Yep. So those things are fun to pair up, but sexual arousal is like blood flow down to your genitals and your nipples. The areolas change color, um, sensation picks up and it makes touch pleasurable instead of Mm -hmm. tickling or irritating. Um, So they, so the, like the hairy part there is people have a gas and a brake pedal for their arousal. So like the feeling of being turned on is arousal, like you're horny. So there's this gas pedal and there's a brake pedal on your horniness, basically. Yeah. And people have different sensitivities for their gas and their brakes. Some people have a shit ton of brakes and they're all very sensitive. And it's very hard for them to get to the turned on part. They can have all kinds of desire like, oh, my mind is on fire for you, but my body is just not with it. And that can happen. It can be history. Sex education, shame, purity culture, all that shit. Body image, it can get in the way. And what happens a lot of times is like people with sensitive brakes will hook up with people with sensitive gas. And then that's where we get issues. Is that like what is that kind of like um, like attachment styles? Like to someone that's typically anxious was is going to be attracted to someone that's typically avoidant, right? Is that so? It does is that kind of like how it works? Is it just something we can't or, Um, it's just kind of like a lot of the couples that I see will will be book is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like one person, it's extremely easy for them to get turned on, and the other person, it's not. And so the one who's is extremely easy to get turned on, they think their partner's not attracted to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's not it at all. Your your partner's literally tiptoeing through a landmine trying to get to horny, and you just kind of fall into it on your face, like, easily. It's just like, it's easy. Got you. Okay. Okay, got you. So do our different, like, gases and breaks, do they, does that also contribute to the spark? And when we meet someone, does someone, like, with a whole lot of gas, like, are they typically more attracted to the people that they meet? Like, how does, how does that actually work? Mm. Wow. That's, that's an interesting way to think about it. It's like people who it's like really easy for them to get turned on. They usually, um, they have high desire just because their positive anticipation is high. Nothing is getting in the way of them having a good time. And then usually people who have report like a lower set of desire, 
they it's harder for them to get there. But when you're at the first phases of a relationship, all that can be like overridden by all the dopamine that's produced in the first phases of that sexual attraction. Got you. So where people have issues is when that dopamine level starts to come to a baseline, Mm -hmm. like it comes to that new state of homeostasis when you're in a relationship, which is higher than when you're single, but lower than when you first got together. And when that baseline tips out, that's when the differences in desire discrepancies start to come up. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you wanted to have sex all the time. We got to, well, yeah, we were both flooded with dopamine, and now, like, it's not there as much. Yeah, it was like there's so many things going going through my body in the in the beginning, and obviously, like the honeymoon phase, everybody has that. So it really is about how how we adjust. So after the honeymoon phase, like, how would you guide people when there is a disconnect between? emotional attraction and like physical arousal like there's like a a disconnect an emotional mm-hmm. connection oh man yeah i'm real big on vulnerability and emotional connection to get everything going because arousal is it's resting upon this foundation of feeling safe so like and that's kind of this is where attachment would come in because avoidant people, when it comes to emotional vulnerability, if that feels overstimulating, then they can have a hard time getting to their arousal and desire because they're like, oh, you know, this mm-hmm. is too close, too soon. And now I'm kind of panicking. I'll pull back. So got you. There's people who identify with uh, the avoidant side of the spectrum of attachment, like fearful, disorganized and stuff. They will gravitate toward casual relationships mm-hmm. because that's their arousal and desire in a more heightened state because the familiarity starts to feel overstimulating. Yeah. Got you. Got you. So how does, does, so what about people that are a little bit more on the anxious side? um, Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. They, they love emotional connection and reassurance, you know, because the abandonment is triggered and they're like, come tell me you love me and how sexy I am and how attracted to me. And they will sometimes lean more toward, like having very high desire mm-hmm. because sex kind of makes them feel like they're connected. Yep. And they'll want that, especially if the other partner is way avoidant mm-hmm. and then they'll have that, what they think is the best sex of their life because they're starving for intimacy. So that little drip of sex feeds them some crumbs and sustains them for a minute. And I, Oh man, I always try to like caution people away from that. I'm like, I promise you, it's not the best sex of your life. Like, when you're well fed, that is the best sex of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to my next question of how do you know, like, what are the things to look for when it comes to sexual compatibility? Because some people just go, well, the sex is really good and they think Mm -hmm. that's it. But I feel like there's got to be other things to that, right? Oh man. There's so many things to sexual compatibility, um, especially being queer. So like the things that come to my mind are like when you got two people and and they're both like, well, I'm a top and Mm -hmm. that bottom stuff comes up and it's like, and then you've got somebody who's a stone top and then somebody who goes both ways and they get together. And then that person who's averse wants to push the stone top on their boundary. And I'm like, Mm. See, this needed to be talked about. This person has a boundary for whatever reason is important to them. You can't push that. Now we've taken the safety 
away. So that takes away access to arousal and lowers desire. Yeah. Well, but how do you, okay. So how do you have that conversation? Right. Um, and, and mm-hmm. I, well, and I feel like gay men have this conversation, right, more so than, like, queer women, non-binary, trans people. So, like, how do you have the conversation? Um, because most people have shame and guilt or have been taught, like, not to talk about it. So how do you talk about that early in the, you know, dating process? Oh, man. Like, that's a it depends kind of thing. I know that it's like so hard for people to talk about sex, but my thing is always if you're a high desire person, if sex is like really important to you, then don't be shameful about that. Mm-hmm. Some people, sex is not that important to them. And that is information that you need to know if yeah, you want yeah. to commit to a relationship. Um, I mean, monogamy is not the only way to have a relationship. So you may be like communicating about polyamory and how that would look. So you need to be ready to own how important sex is to you when you're going out there and you're dating. For me, um, as soon as I see the relationship is headed toward we're going to have sex, I start having those conversations because I'm kinky and Mm -hmm. I don't want you to find that out when we're in bed. I want you to consent and I don't want to hold back in bed. So I need to know if you prefer like vanilla and tame and I'm going to be like, this ain't going to work. And I, I love the energy. Let's be friends. You know, it's just <laughs> you keep your vanilla self over there. <laughs> there. Nothing against vanilla. Yeah. It's just yeah. like I'm gonna throw a hand up and, and and like spank and choke and things like that. And I want everybody to know what's going on and for enthusiastic consent to be first. Yeah. Have you ever had the experience or you know, have had clients where they're kind of developing their kink I feel like because I get a lot of a lot of um, clients like in my matchmaking database when they come in and they're talking about what to include in their um, in their dating profile and they'll have me like vet for certain things like kink wise but I tell them I'm like our database is really secure and like nobody else is going to read your profile until I send that person to be a potential match and I'm like Put that in there. Like I have a lot of people that'll put their kinks like in their in their uh, profile. But what about the people that are just exploring it so they don't really know and then things begin to change? Like how do you have that conversation maybe with someone that you've just started dating and you're not really sure what, you know, what it's going to look like in, in the bedroom? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just like, exploring kinks and you don't know what you like there's a ton of quizzes on the internet to help you like guide you through that if that's the thing it's like somebody's wanting to develop language but if you're like getting into a relationship and you're just like i'm not sure i'm open Mm -hmm. um you know you can start dating and start having sex and be like hey do you want to look at this yes no maybe list with me like i'm looking i want to explore some new things like would you be into that and you could like slowly step in And they have these awesome quizzes that you can take, like Mojo Upgrade, Mm -hmm. where if you both take the quiz, it only shows the things you match on. So you don't have to, you can hold some of your cards. You can be like, you don't need to know about that kink about me. And you can take this quiz and it'll only show the matching things. So you can be like, oh, like we're similar on bondage or things like this. And they ask some tame questions on there too, so it doesn't have to go way out there yeah that's a that's a good idea for them to show the results only on what you match on because i think like if something else pops up and and like someone's like oh like that's a thing for you it could 
probably be a turnoff, but that doesn't mean that they're trying to do that right now in the bedroom with you, right? So I, I like that it shows the compatibility. I had a um a group that I had um, over COVID. I started over COVID and we would get on. And so we got on the topic of kink and because um, someone joined our group and she is all about it. And it was all really new to everybody. <laughs> so we would take the quizzes and like everybody would share theirs and what their kinks were. But it was really great because there were people in their group that were like, I had no clue that this was even a thing or that like maybe they had a thought about it, but they've been shamed into not, you know, that that kink is dangerous and like it's only for people that have like mental. I mean, there's so there's so many things that came up with these people in the group. And um, I mean, and I mean, I got confirmation on my rope play, which <laughs> I didn't discover that until I watched um, uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Have you seen that? So good. Oh, so I, love I love it. I love it. The biggest thing for me, I, I think that um, people miss in that movie is the level of consent that they had, like all throughout the film. And I'm like, oh, I love it. But the rope scene in that, I remember watching it. And I was watching it by myself one night, and I was like, what is, what is happening? What is, what is going on? Like, let me. And then I had to watch it again, and I'm like, is it like, what is that? So, um, and then I took the quiz, and it was like, yeah plays like at the top um. <laughs> mine are always changing uh, mm-hmm. I take that BDSM test.org every once in a while and things that used to be red are now like yellow and green and I was yeah. like you just yeah. don't know you <laughs> like you may be like side eyeing something one day and then another day you're like you know what that's doing it that's doing it this time yeah so so with that being said like how things change and I know our body changes and all of that can sexual like chemistry be created oh man this is a question I revisit a lot and I oof, from life experience I want to say no because mm-hmm. like I have tried to spark it off with somebody that you know all the, all the other boxes are there yep. it's like oh yeah. we go along and all these things and it, it's just you know and I've even had like a sexual encounter with one person. I tried to make it and I regret that all the time because the way I felt after that sex was over, I was like, mm, pass, pass. I'm trying to make that shit. <laughs> You're like, no, thank you. But props to you for trying. <laughs> I mean, it was such a disjointed experience. It's like, you know, in your 20s, you just give shit a try. But- yeah, as you should. Well, and I mm-hmm. ask because I think there are some people that are – maybe really nice right and they don't know a lot about like um themselves sexually about pleasure and all that and they may check all of these things but like if their partner says like "Mm, I really or someone they're dating is like oh I really like you know when you do this thing or when you wear this particular thing I feel like sometimes people can like that like sparks it and like kind of clicks it on and where maybe that that uh, sexual attraction and physical attraction wasn't there before. Like maybe mm-hmm. it can grow in that sense. Um, mm. But I don't know. I mean, you're you're the expert. Oh. So. When you say that, it sounds like demisexuality. Like mm-hmm. folks who don't experience sexual attraction until they feel an emotional connection. And that like pains the sexual attraction for them. That's what that sounds like. Now that, yeah, I very much. I back that. Okay. 
but overall just like sexual compatibility and chemistry all of that you would say that that can't actually be created mm. it's hard to say i don't i don't i, I don't want to like yeah yeah say it down either way because there there's 7.9 billion people on the planet so yeah. somewhere maybe it's happening like when you ping all the other things when there's like intellectual intimacy and there's experiential intimacy you're having experiences together and then there's emotional connection you start to bring all of like the wheel of intimacy together yeah then yeah, yeah it could probably ping it off mm-hmm. that's a you know a lot of intention and effort there what are some i'm glad you brought up intimacy right because i think people don't think about the whole will. Uh, and if you don't know what the will, please go check out Wendy's uh, TikTok because it's on there. But um, the whole will of intimacy. So if like in the beginning, people are always looking for the spark, the connection, the physicalness. But what are some other aspects or things that that we should be looking for? And how can we implement that like on dates to see if that intimacy yeah. is there? Um, so just a couple of examples of that that people can really use. Mm, so, like, the wheel of intimacy comes from Dr. Elizabeth Cedric. It, she's awesome. And there's there's five things on there. So there's intellectual intimacy. Mm-hmm. So that was a really big one for me. Like, if you can tickle my nerd brain, then you can have me for life. And there's experiential intimacy. And that's like having experiences together. And that was something when I found my current partner that really pinged the compatibility because she's a yoga practitioner mm-hmm. and so am I. And we both have years of like yoga practitioner experience. And there's like a certain just mindset that comes from that, from having that experience for yep. years and her being able to like look me in the eye and understand where I'm at when we're like in hot yoga in those spaces. That was just like fireworks. Just like, Oh man, she gets it. Like the steel point and working for it. And, like sitting in a 105 degree room and choosing to do that. Like, you know, that's crazy on its own. So experiential intimacy and each one is like got a level of importance to each person in a different way. So some people it's going to be emotional intimacy. Like what's your emotional maturity? Are we able to connect on this level? And some people physical intimacy is really up there and that's like cuddles and handholding and sex, you know, it's my wife. my my wife needs cuddles one hundred percent. I too, I too need the, the cuddles. Cuddles and hugs. That's what yeah, she needs. Absolutely. I love the back hug when I'm like doing the dishes. And you're like, I'm done with the dishes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it so much. I'm like, yes, I am washing the dishes. Come hug. Me. Um, I think that's physical, experiential, intellectual, emotional, oh, and spiritual intimacy. Mm. That's just like, how do you connect with your soul? I mean, even if you're atheist, like, how do you connect with, like, in here, in your heart space? Yeah. And how, like, I feel like people really need to be connected with the whole will of intimacy, which, but I, I feel like we only really focus on the physical intimacy part, right? Especially early in the dating process, but it's like, what like what other what other things like what what else is like intimate to you besides just being physical with with someone else because yes there's level of importance kind of like love languages right we all have them but they rank 
differently. Um, so if you're listening, go check out the will of intimacy because you want to look at what other ways are you really um, stimulated. I, I want people to know that it's not all just like physical, like the attraction piece is more than just how the sex is going and whether you find that person to be hot or not. Like it's just so much deeper than that. Gosh, I tell my clients all the time, it's not how somebody feels you, it's how they make you feel before they feel you. Mm. Mm. I love that. touching you and you don't feel connected, that touch feels like shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, we could see that. Honestly, we could see that with um, uh, Queer Ultimatum, right? With a... Uh, Tiff and Mildred, they're like perfect example of that. I feel like you have a lot to say about that, right? But they but they were. You could see all the sexual. I saw Tiff in my comment section. They came because I I was doing commentary and Tiff yeah. came and, and we talked to each other and I, uh, they agreed with me because I was just like, it's the classic trauma bond. Mm-hmm. They were then that classic runner chaser. Like Mildred's going to walk away and trigger Tiff to, to chase her. And then it's just like, I, and I just kept watching. I was like, yeah, I bet the sex is fire because y'all are starving for like other types of connection. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember seeing it on the clip where um, Mildred was talking about um, Aussie, like talking to Aussie and Aussie just like listening to her and all that. And I remember Tiff kissed her and was like, do you feel connected now? And I remember watching that. I was like, that is not connection. That is not it at all whatsoever. That's the, <laughs> I was like, that's the only thing you'll have. And I remember yelling at this, the TV and my wife is like, you need to calm down. And I'm like, no, but that's what we're talking about. That's not connection. So when Tiff was talking about how they'd been together for like almost two years and when they were getting ready to part from each other, they said, your sexy fine ass and I was like is that it we're deep as a puddle over here is that what we're talking about <sighs> that's it just that just, For the years, just, it's just sexy fine ass like on. we're together that long and that's all you get that's that's it oh, but so many but I think so many people that's what they rely on that's what they they really ride on and like I you know the clients that I work with I try to tell them like especially matchmaking, right? Like I'll show them somebody um, and they'll be like, well, I wouldn't normally approach that person. And I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. Total, it's totally okay if you wouldn't normally approach them. Like, and But they get like so turned off and they're like, well, the vibe is just off. And I'm like, well, you don't know that because you haven't talked to this person yet. Like you have to go on the date with them and ask them questions. But I I think we see people and we make a lot of judgments and assumptions about like who they are, or we see somebody that looks really nice and we go, there's no way in the world that person can be kinky. And it's like, but you don't, you don't know, like you have to ask those, those questions. Or you find somebody like very sexually attracted and then you make all kinds of excuses for them because you're so sexually attracted to them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I tell people that I tell people that all the time. And I'm like, y'all, look, we have to stop sacrificing our values, interests, other aspects of intimacy for somebody that looks really good. Right. But like, like, yeah, like we're sacrificing all of that. And I tell people all the time, we give people privilege. We give them access to us just because they look good. And it's like you, 
we can't solely ride on that. If the person that you like, if someone is just like, they look okay at first, right? And then you go on a date with them and then the morals and values line up and they are spoon feeding you all the other intimacies on a platter, your dopamine level will come up and they will look more sexually attracted to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, just get in there and get to know them. I, I was like, yeah. But we, but we don't because we all we're looking at is like the the physical aspect, right? The physical attraction and and I guess the I guess that would be what desire that we see um, when we first meet somebody. I don't know, like we have to distinguish between these terms, but um, but yeah, I I tell people that and and I have people they'll come back and they'll be like, well, it just felt more like a friend, and I'm like, and I tell people what happens is. You'll go on a date, you make assumptions about who that person is. It's calm. Um, the interests may line up, but like, I don't know, they feel like a friend to you. But but you don't because it's calm and you don't feel that spark right away. You act accordingly. So you you don't ask questions like in a flirty way. You don't check for any other type of intimacy. Those aren't the things that you're doing. But someone that comes in and you're like, ooh, they're attractive. Then you start flirting. You start asking them like certain questions and you start acting accordingly and giving them access to you. And I always wonder like what would happen if that person that maybe feels friendly, if we gave them access to the same person in the same way that we give that person that's physically attracted, that we're physically attracted to, if we gave them access to us in the same way, like what would actually occur? Hmm. I'm just, I, and I, I'm sure we don't know, but I'm curious about that. No, I know I'm curious about that. Cause I mean, <laughs> that's, I'm just thinking about myself. Like as I got older and I started dating, like in my, and like I'm almost 40. So it was just like it changed to when I would look at people, I wasn't looking at like them physically, like to certain points. Yes. But mostly at this age, I was like, what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like purpose about something? Um, you know, <laughs> it's like those are the things that make me sexually attracted to somebody. It's like, do you feel life purpose for something? Do you feel driven to something that's bigger than you? And tell me about how you're pursuing that. Because that'll just make my heart flutter. Yeah. If someone is looking for, let's say, emotional intimacy, what's what's something that they would look for on the date or like a question that they would ask someone to kind of get out of this aspect of just the the physicalness, like the values, interests, everything lines up. Now let's see how else we can connect, like what other ways we can be connect and intimacy. It's such a good, I'm shut this dirt. It's, it's The power of editing. Okay. So, man, that's such a good question because I'm trying to think about like what kind of question you could ask because the first thing that comes to my mind is you want to check on this person's emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be listening for things like if they're talking about shit about people who are not there. Yeah. Red flag. Um, if they... Uh, if they don't tip twenty percent, I'm skeptic. I, you know, these are just like my early things because uh, emotional maturity is so huge. Because if this person cannot take being called out when they need to be called out, mm-hmm. the relationship is not going anywhere. Yeah, like yeah. you're just going to be emotionally regulating them for them. Mm-hmm. That 
that's a, that's a no. Or you wouldn't even, you know, if we're talking about pleasure and sex, you wouldn't even be able to guide them and teach them because that's that's a big thing in the bedroom without them being, you know, triggered or upset in some way because you're simply asking for what you need and yes. what you desire. I'm constantly desire. talking to people telling me that their partner is forcing them to have an orgasm or they get pissed off. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, if I don't have an orgasm, my partner gets pissed off. And I was like, and you continue to have sex with this person? Yeah. That would be a relic for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not your bank of validation. Yeah. You're not yeah. checking in here to get validated. Like, sex is an exchange of best interest. Yeah. We come here to maintain our autonomy and bring our bodies together. And if you can't do that, like, I'm going to take my clothes off with you. You need to grow up. This is an adult activity. But we do, do you think that people jump in too early when it comes when it comes to sex? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think what consenting adults are down for, yeah. I'm here to support it. But like I think sometimes some people would be a little reckless because when I talk to people about uh the STI conversation, they're like, mm. Oh, that's awful. And I'm like, have you ever had to call somebody to tell them that you gave them chlamydia? Because that's way more awful. Yeah. Yeah. That should be, that was like, and my wife actually was probably the first person I think I've dated that was right out of the bat early on was like, when's the last time you, you know, you had an STI test and I was got tested and I'm like, I don't know, it's been a while. She was like, we can go together. Like, (laughs) like, let's go. Um, But again, she was the first person and it wasn't awkward. She was just very straight up. I think I had a moment where I was like, oh, and then I was like, yeah, we should be having these conversations. Great. Like, let's do it. Absolutely. It's just consent. It's like, I don't want to hear. I'm letting you know what, what status my body is in so you can consent if you want to bring your body over here. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um. So we're about to wrap it up. I do want to talk about, you know, one last thing. What are some like queer specific kind of like stereotypical things that especially when it comes to pleasure, pleasure and sex that we should probably definitely get rid of. Oh my gosh. If you're talking about like queer specific things that we should get rid of, that gold star lesbian shit has got to fucking go. But that's, that is the gold star. Like you did good. Like you're, you're it is purity culture. Fucking bullshit. If you are going to sit there and hold a gold star that has to do with your body count, you are no better than any patriarchal fucking other bullshit. It's just like, the fuck out of here grading somebody on their body count. Goodbye. <laughs> or or grading somebody on whether they're bisexual or not because that's a the biphobia that, that kills me. My, my wife is bisexual and I'm like best person in the world I've like ever been with most loyal person and that I, that irks me irks me to the core my partner's pansexual I like I don't feel any any way about that I don't know why people see that as like a higher threat of getting cheated on or left I'm like it sounds like you've got some insecurity issues to take care of yeah absolutely ranking people <laughs> Oh, oh, the go- but the gold star, that is, that's a, that's a big one. And I think we overlook it, but I think with TikTok, it has been coming up a lot. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, it's just a lot of judgment. I think at the end of the day, like we have got to stop 
judging each other because we're only doing that so we can feel better about ourselves. And it's like, that's not helpful for anybody. It's just, again, like we are all coming from this heteronormative patriarchal society. And when we come into queer spaces, we bring all that bullshit that that Mm -hmm. society does right into those queer spaces. And all I'm asking is for people to look at their heteronormative patriarchal shit so we can leave it outside of the queer space because it's supposed to be a safe space. And I understand that like hurt people hurt people. So we drag in that stuff and we can sense our inferiority in society. So our return to that Mm -hmm. is to to kick the cat, to kick, to kick the easiest person to kick because we can sense that if we try to kick it, you know, the white cis man out there that it's not going to work. So we just go, Oh, that woman over there who used to sleep with men, She's less than me. Easy target. target. Yep. How, how this is supposed to be a community. You're supposed to hold each other up. Like, stop it. Yeah. What's one thing around around sex and pleasure that you think that we should just fully, fully with our arms wide open embrace? Pleasure-based sex. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is stop focusing so much on an orgasm that you make the whole journey there frustrating. Oh, Oh, I hope, please say that again, because I want everybody to hear it. Yeah. Stop focusing on the orgasm so much that you make the whole journey there frustrating for yourself, for the person you're with. It's no fun. Yeah. The whole point is to feel good and to see how long it can feel good. Mm. And I think too, I think too, if you're focusing just strictly on pleasure, it gives you opportunity throughout the day that 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 you're together instead of just trying to get geared up for the nighttime when you have sex and you're kind of orgasm but it's like if you're just focused on pleasure then like like you said like the hug when you're doing dishes like that that's pleasure and that can heighten things and it just it just brings so much more like just positivity and openness and connectedness like to the relationship um, versus just worried about whether you're getting somebody off or not. Yes. And it's like some people have a great time with no orgasm and some people want five. So what, you know, when are we communicating about that? If we're just like, Oh, you came. It's good. And it's like, are you asked somebody, did you come as if that equals, did you experience pleasure? And did you, are you having satisfaction? Yeah. Oh, you recently did a video on that on like, like the post sex question. Like, so instead of asking like, did you come? What would be, I, I guess I'm not going to say more appropriate, but a pleasure based question to ask. Absolutely. So I always like to ask my partner like, Hey, when did you feel the most connected to me? Or when were you the most turned on? Um, that's a really hot one. Like, and then she'll go into detail and that usually starts a party back up. Uh, like, <laughs> And then I'll ask something like, um, you know, was there something that you want to try again or something that we should let go of? It it can go deeper than that. But like when you're just like in a casual relationship with somebody, you can just ask them, like, when were you the most turned on? Because that's going to tell you a lot more than did they come? Because an orgasm can be meh. Yeah. They come in all kinds of flavors and sizes. I love it. I love it. I We literally could talk about this all day. Like oh, I said, this David. is probably not going to be. <laughs> yeah, this is probably not going to be the last episode. We're going to have to do Queer Connections After Dark Part 2 or something. Right? Um, but I, 
appreciate the conversation we're coming up on our time, but appreciate you being here um, and just sharing your wisdom and just doing what you do for the for the queer community and just making sex and pleasure okay to talk about. Um, so everybody, it's okay to talk about sex. You should talk about sex. You should get connected to yourself. Like spend some time with yourself. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and like figure out your desires, your needs, get comfortable with your body, explore. That's what we're, you know, we're here to do. Um, but Whitney, why don't you tell everybody where they can can find you and get connected with you? And you tell everybody where they can find me. Yeah, yeah. I want to tell everybody where they can find you and get connected with you. <laughs> so I'm on all your social media platforms. My biggest one is going to be TikTok, and that's BDE Moves. Um, I'm also on Instagram under the same handle. In fact, if you Google BDE Moves, you'll find my website, my TikTok, my Instagram, my OnlyFans, my Patreon. Um, I also have a private Facebook group. So whatever flavor you like, I probably distribute it. I love it. and on your your Patreon and OnlyFans they get like video instructions is that correct? So on Patreon it's educational and yeah it's uncensored video instruction. My partner is with me on those and on OnlyFans you're just gonna see me having a good time if that's what you want to come see. All right then, well there you go because sex and pleasure is amazing and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot. I'm just- Tell my wife that we need to start an OnlyFans. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so go check it out. Please check out Whitney. You know, a so amazing. Get educated, everybody. Um, focus on pleasure, 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 pleasure. Um, thank you all for being here and for listening. And remember to trust love one more time and always one more time. Love you all. Peace. <laughs>